praise the Lord. Yeah, so uh, welcome online church. And once again, if you are connecting with us for the very first time, this is the Transformers Church. I'm the lead pastor of this church, uh, and my name is Tunde Cole. Amen. Right, uh, before we get into the world, let's just say a few words of prayer, and then we get into it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for another time of fellowship and um, with one another and with your spirit. And Lord, we pray this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that we'll have a clearer and better understanding of what you have called us to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We'll have a better understanding of the place of miracles so that we can put them in the right place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. So once again, happy birthday to the guys, uh, to, people, to, to the guys whose birthday happened last week. I didn't plan this, right? But, you know, I was, I was you know, documenting birthdays in the church uh, for members of the church. And I stumbled on someone's birthday. And I, started, I said, Father, you know what? Because you know that we have a leap year sometimes. And... Um, <clears throat> I didn't mention him. And you know someone like Tunde because he's, the guy is always busy. He needs to be always reminded of a leap year. So you decided to kind of get someone born on, the, on February 29th so that Tunde can always remember that we have a leap year. So uh, next day is only a leap year, so we need to agree whether the birthday will happen on February 28th or 1st of March. Amen. Both days. Uh, okay. Uh, but, uh, our, the gift you buy, <clears throat> we need to have a family meeting in regards to that. So we'll speak to Uncle and the kids. Uh, if bad days happen on both days, uh, how are we doing this? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, and um, happy birthday in advance to the guys whose who's, uh, birthday is in October. Amen. Ah, correct. <laughs> in advance. So if your birthday is not today, I'm greeting you happy birthday in advance. And if today's your birthday... Happy birthday. Amen. Fantastic. So, uh, in the past few weeks, uh, this, should, this should be the 11th week that we started talking about the gift of the spirit. Spiritual gift. Put it uh, simple. Spiritual gift. And uh, we've looked at uh, different categories of this spiritual gift that were, disc- that were uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Just to remind us, let's quickly go down to turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I will read NKJ, NKJV and we'll read from verse 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12. So it reads, uh, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit to another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gift of healings by the same Spirit, to another the walking of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You know, in the past 10 weeks, I have taken time to kind of explain some key words in these verses. You know, example is what it means that is a gift. What it means, the what the manifestation means, you know. I, you know, please avail yourself to messages from previous Sundays to for better understanding or to uh, refresh your memory about those teachings. So we can see in the Bible that the nine gifts of the Spirit were mentioned in, in First Corinthians twelve, and we have categorized it according to Howard Carter and some other authors I've read after into three 
into three categories. So one is revelation gifts. These are the gifts that reveal something. Uh, the second one is power gifts, and these are gifts that do something. And the third one is utterance or inspiration gifts. And these are gifts that say something. So review something. Under the category of revelation gift are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and descending of spirit. You know, when you have guests, guests from Manchester, you know, that I'm sure they are not Manchester United. Are you Manchester United fan? Um, I need, we need security in this church. Um, anybody who is Manchester United, you stop them at the... I think I will start charging fee. I'm joking. Online, I'm joking. Uh, start charging people, Manchester United, to come in. Uh, any... I don't, there's some football club you don't call their name because people can stone you from the screen. You know, their, their name starts with A. Their color is like red. I didn't say... I didn't mention name. Uh, uh, okay, well, I didn't mention any name. Right, so because my wife and some other gang member in the church at Manchester United, Uncle Mike, God bless you. Right, I get to me, and um, I need to think of how to undo these people because I will not tolerate gangsterism in this church. Amen. Praise God. Nice to have you, Dami. Look at that big invite. Uh, um, just to welcome you. Yeah, yeah, you see, yeah, yeah, powerful man. Amen. Just interrupted my service. Just like that. Amen. Let's carry on. So, Revelation gifts, they do what? They review something. Power gifts, they, what they do? They, uh, they do something, right? So this is where you kind of use the power of God. You actually demonstrate or manifest the power of God. Amen. And under this power gifts, we have the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gift of healings. We've covered the gift of faith. We've been talking about the working of miracles. And this is a third episode <laughs> on the working of miracles. So let me see how fast I can go today without wrapping and stay sure that I give you guys sound teaching. Amen. So last week we started looking at the downsides of look, um, downsides of living a or a miracle-centered Christian life. I've defined what miracles is to us: supernatural intervention or the intervention of a supernatural realm in the physical realm. Right. Uh, that's just me uh, paraphrasing it. And I've tried to help us understand: there's a natural realm and there's a spiritual realm. Right. So we're looking at miracles. Miracles simply means a supernatural power, you know, intervening in the physical realm. I've talked about the fact that we got to be mindful that every intervention in the natural realm. Okay, let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, we saw the pattern of the Red Sea, right? For thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people to go through overnight. In overnight, the sea parted. It didn't say River Thames. It wasn't a river, right? It's at sea, right? So the sea parted, dry land came out. I don't know how many angels were in operation that day for, day for, uh, to fill the, the sea with earth and rocks for those guys to go through overnight. And so many things happened there. You can read that in the book of um, Exodus 14. So that's an example of a miracle. And, um, you know, those guys were also being fed with waffles from the sky and quails, or quails, which is, I, call, I was saying suya, well, I think I'm going to call it a roast uh, for my English friend. You know, so birds were coming to the camp every night to feed those guys. And the Bible also told us that as those guys were going through the wilderness, that their clothes were not wearing off. Right? Even their sandals were not kind of wearing off. So there was supernatural provision for those guys in the wilderness. Now, uh, as we see, as that sounds positive, right, which is a good one in a sense, there's also negative ones that happen. Uh, but before I talk about 
negative ones. I also want to say that let's remember the plagues in Egypt, right? Many of those plagues were kind of miracles. I'll give an example. You know, um, there was a time that gnats, you know, like insects, you know, flooded the entire place and people were covered. And I can't imagine how stinking it was, right? That's kind of a miracle because who is, I mean, how possible can, you know, gnats fill the entire nation in a sense, right? It's not ordinary. It's not natural. It's not normal, right? There was a supernatural force behind it where angels were doing that. Right, so angelic operation, angels kind of, um, I was, <laughs> I'm a tech guy, so I'm struggling because I'm, I'm trying to use a, a tech words here, but I'm trying to use a natural one. So basically, angels implement, let me understand what I'm saying. Angels implemented those, um, <laughs> those, 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 Lord Jesus, help me, how possible. <laughs> All right, I need, I need no more English. Okay, angels made those things happen, right? They blew with the wind, whatever kind of wind, Blue winds gnat uh, into uh, the nation. Another one is that the, the river, the major source of water in Egypt, was turned to blood. There was no record that anybody was killed or animals slaughtered, and the, uh, the, the river was, 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 uh, was polluted with blood. You know, though those miracles were done through the hand of Moses and the other guy, Aaron, right? But there's a lot of story behind that. I'm trying to not go into too much detail. So that's an example of a negative miracle because it didn't bless the people. It kind of brought, you know, some, you know, Lord Jesus, help me. How do I do this? How do I do this? Because a lot of, I can sense in my spirit, a lot of questions going on in people's mind. Okay, let me say it. God did not kill the children of Egypt, the firstborns of the children of Egypt. God did not kill them. Right. So some miracles you saw there, uh, people were saying that God did this to, to Egypt. I don't believe God did that. The more you read your Bible, you come across some angels called angels of death. Right? The angels of death were the one who went to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, what these guys do, angels normally, what they do is they execute judgment against wickedness and sin. So when we tell people not to commit sin, when we tell people not to live a sinful lifestyle, we have many reasons. One, you opened up yourself to demons to destroy you. And you can open up yourself to even angels that will destroy you because their operation is to destroy whatever is anti-God. God is love. God is kind. Just the way I have protective measures around me as a default, I want to believe God has, you know, for the, for the sanctity of humanity, there are certain systems he has deployed to take out evil practices. So God does not keep, God will not intentionally go and kill people. Now, the thing is this. Now, there's a place of judging evil, but the sad thing is that most of the time, people stand in the way of God judging evil. So if a person is a carrier of evil, and that's what they execute, when angels of death or any kind of angels are in operation, they can take the person out. God is not against the person, but against the evil, against the devil's property they are carrying. Amen. That's what I was trying to, I was struggling with, not to, I mean, not to go into it, but I just have to say it because I was struggling. I better just say it, I don't know who's just going to bless and uh, if anybody have more questions regarding that, you can, you, can, um, you can, you know, ping me and we can have a better conversation. But it was something strong in my spirit and I was trying to avoid it. So I was talking about miracles. So we can see the positive, the negative. And um, some miracles that we saw Aaron did, right, like, uh, you know, throwing down the staff and it became snake. The sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt did similar thing. And many of the miracles that these guys did, the sorcerers also did the same thing. So the point two is this. Now, 
miracles, even good. Let's focus on the good side now. Good miracles or miracles that seem to bless people, God is not the source of all of them. God is not the source of all good miracles in court. So when people go to sorcerers, when they go to one pastor in court, who give them some concussion and some kind of diabolic thing for them to receive a blessing or something or for them to get married. Now, if it, whatever you don't receive according to the word of God, according to the word of faith, it's not of God, it's of the devil. And devil does not give anything. Devil's identity and nature to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if it seems like you got something, you got something you're looking for, not by believing God, but by going to a prophet somewhere who cooked some concussion for you and cast some spells on you, even though they call the name of Jesus, so you have gone to the devil to give you something, right? And there's not, <laughs> devil is not the creator of anything, but, but he, what he will do is this. He will manipulate circumstances for you to experience those things, especially husband. Or he will give, when you go to the devil to give you a husband for a single lady, what do you think he will give you? A God-fearing man? No, it does not make sense. I repeat, I like this kind of gist. Now, when a single lady goes to the devil, all in the name of a prophet or one one baba, you know, I'm Nigerian, but you know, it will come out any which way. I'm a Yoruba guy. Or one papa or baba or whatever you call it, right? Uh, who is doing some stuff somewhere or some guys who, who, con, who, con, who, con, um, who concatenate, excel, Lord Jesus, who concatenate um, candles and perfumes and, you know, anything that is contrary to the word of God that is done to give you something is not of God. Because how you receive from God is by believing his word and speaking his word. Standing on his word. The Bible says everything God created, he created them by speaking his word. Jesus casted out demons by what? Speaking his word. Everything God has given to you, everything God can give to you. Now, I'm, I slow down there to say can give to you. Because what I'm trying to actually say is that God has given you everything you need in Christ Jesus. The problem is not with God giving. The problem is with us receiving. Right? Okay, there's more there. I'm trying not to go too far. Amen. So, if, the de- if you go to someone to do something special for you, or for them to cast an anointing on you, things that you cannot find the root or origin of it in the Bible... I tell you with all authority of the word of God, those things are not from God. They are from the devil. And what do you think the devil will give you? The person who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. I don't want to mention instances and experiences I've had with um, girls, young girls, of a particular kind of church, in a sect of church. Okay, I'll give you one of them. I just think maybe one or two may listen to me. So this girl liked this guy, and um, she needed accommodation at some point. And I think the, 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 the parents of the guys didn't really like her. So she's, they are not married. And she said to me one day that she was going to go meet uh, the prophet, one of the prophets in their church. Uh, they've asked her to bring flowers and bring a few things that they're going to make that guy like her. And I think maybe she did or not, I don't know, but she, it seems like she got what she wanted but when each time I see herself and that guy, I can see the guy doesn't like her. Right? So they've kind of jazzed the guy to keep him, to keep her. 
I don't know what the situation and things are now kind of with, with, this, with this person, the family, but they kind of were able to knock the guy down to, to do what they want him to do. And I don't know what, but the, what I know is this. No work of the devil, nothing you get from the devil has a favorable outcome. It's only a matter of time. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The same thing when we go, come, to, I think um, there's an anointing speaking to singles today. Lord Jesus, I have things I want to talk about. Okay, let's carry on. You know, when ladies and even guys, you know, the world, don't forget the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God of the world. And when we're talking about the world, we're talking about worldly systems, ungodly systems, wickedness, sin. When the world teaches you how to get a guy, you know, use your body to nail him down, all those kind of stuff. I'm still waiting for someone who will come to tell me that they got a person through wickedness and they did not experience the consequence. You know, some marriage and relationship stories you see on Instagram, you know, on Facebook, they are, that's not the full story. You cannot use wickedness to get something that you think that it will not bite you in the hand. So now, the, I'm not saying the marriage will not work eventually. You know, many people have to, you know, you know, you know they've, they've been able to make things work because many people get married without, um, uh, you know, not only knowing Jesus and they seem to have a good relationship. But there's no how you use wickedness to get something that God has instituted in the sense, in, and in this context, marriage, that you think that the, you will not suffer or experience the consequence. It's not possible. I've not seen one, and there will never be one. Amen. Right. So even if it's not physical but spiritual, uh, okay, let's look. So we're still talking about miracles, where you go to get miracle or get something, and the sources of miracles. So, so the point two that I'm trying to complete here is that any supernatural intervention in the natural realm that you see, all is not from God. And this is where we need to be discerning. We need to know the word of God for ourselves. And we need to ensure that we learn to walk with the Holy Spirit so that when we say something, we can tell our spirit, we can hear the Holy Ghost in us telling us that, be careful with this, be careful with that. Amen. Praise God. I hope that blesses you guys. So that's miracles. There are a few things I was trying to explain uh, in the past two weeks. Now, let's get into this. So last week I talked about the fact that one of the downsides, which I've just you know, recapped, um, you know, miracles can be performed by forces that are not of God. And second one is the fact that miracles does not mean that people will believe in God. And we saw that in the life of the children of Israel. Even though they saw a lot of miracles, you know, with them, they, were, they were still hard-hearted. Amen. So today I want us, a few other points I want us to look at, which are the downside. Uh, but something stood out to me when I was reading the book of John chapter 6 again this morning. Right, so let's go back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Maybe I'll read uh, 41, I think, and then go down there. It's such a long one. Uh, let me use this one here. Right, John 6. So we saw the story whereby Jesus fed the 5,000, 5,000 men plus uh, men and women, and towards the end of, uh, and uh, further down in chapter 6, he, you know, some guys, you know, those guys w w went to look for him, went to found him, and he started telling them, the, teaching them the gospel. One second, guys, I'm trying to pull up the NIV because 
that one seems to have um, the kind of English I want to speak this morning. Amen. Uh, verse 46. Now, so let me give us a backstory a little bit there. So Jesus fed the 5,000. The following day, these guys went to look for him, and Jesus told them that, you know, the reason why they were looking for him is not because of some signs he has done. Maybe some, some signs that, uh, maybe what Jesus was talking about here are the signs that, you know, uh, point to the Father, you know, to demonstrate uh, the fact that God, or to prove that God sent him into the world, you know, to deliver us from sin, the power of sin and stuff like that. But these guys, they were just concerned about the fact that they ate. And I was talking about people's appetite. If you, were, if you keep doing miracles in churches and meetings, to whet people's appetite, or we invite people to church to come and get a kind of miracle based on their personal need, when they, we have to use that to keep them. Because, and one, one of the reasons why I, I believe many Christians are not stable in their Christian journey is that when you invite them into Christianity with miracles, when they get those miracles, they believe that is all. So there's nothing more for them to look for up to. So they start crossing division and fighting the church, and some of them leave, and they're never really stable or mature. So Christians need to be aware of that. If you really want to be a sound Christian, mature, and you want to raise disciples, you've got to be careful what you use to entice people to church. As a new church, there's a lot of things that people have kind of told me to do to get people to church. An example is um, partner with one of the, they call them big boys. Big boys, and when, one of these big, when people hear or know that I'm affiliated or connected to one of these big boys, when I say big boys, preachers, right? Uh, I just received that people start coming up, and I told them I'm not going to do it. Everything's going to cost me about 25,000 pounds. Well, can I raise the money to do, to do all of that? You know, the standard that they told me about setting up a church. Yes, I could. Uh, but I think because so far, well, I've raised over 20,000 pounds, you know, doing, um, you know, for church. I get to me, close to 30. So I could do it. But I said, I'm not doing it. You know, and they told me, you know, get get worship team, get some guys, hire some guys to come and play worship, get a guy to come and play keyboard, all kind of stuff. I said, I'm not doing it. Because what God asked me to do was to teach people the word of God so that they can grow, they can mature, they can be stable. He didn't ask me to call, go and entice people with worship. Amen. So whatever you use to entice people to church is what you must use to keep them. And that's why I was part of a church whereby they have a fantastic worship team but I was dying in that church. I was better doing church with my wife at home alone than I was in that church. Even though it's a massive church, they have a powerful worship team and everything is in place. But I was just, I was drying out spiritually. So I've been around, I've been, I've been around for a while now in this church thing. And I can tell you what has the power to change people's lives is the word of God. The undiluted word of God, the gospel, the true gospel. So I said, I ain't doing that. Because whatever you use to entice people to the church is what you must use to keep them. Amen. So, now look at this. So, Jesus, you know, after feeding these guys, these guys were coming because of what they ate. Now, something that stood out to me when I was reading this uh, Bible verse today was that, um, you know, what, let's look at, let's go to verse 46, John 6, 46. Now, Jesus said, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. 
This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What I'm trying to say is this. Jesus, even though he did a miracle, he operated in the gift of the working of miracles. He did a miracle to feed 5,000 men, plus men and plus women and children. Now, he didn't try to keep them with the miracle. Rather, he gave them what they need, the gospel. Now, miracles attract people to church. Miracles attract people to, you know, get people's attention. But believers are not called to get people's attention or to be a celebrity, like I was saying in one of, uh, maybe one of last week I did about, right? We are called to preach the gospel. So we may do a miracle for someone. You may meet someone at the train station. I see all those miracles on, uh, on, on, on social media. You may meet someone at the train station who has a leg pain and you heal them. But it shouldn't end there. You got to minister the gospel to them. Sometimes you may not have the opportunity to minister the gospel to them, but you must always bear in mind that even though you do a miracle, the principal goal of Christ, of God, is that people may be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So if a pastor or a preacher teaches people to work miracles in a sense, you know, they permit me to because I'm in a hurry a little bit this morning, right? And he does not teach them how to, teach the, how to preach the gospel, teach people, he has not done a good job. So why do I spend 15, 16 weeks on one topic? Because you guys got to understand it so well you can apply it to your life and you can explain to other people. If you can't, it's a waste of my time and waste of our resources. Amen. So this stood out to me when I was meditating this morning. Now, the end goal of every miracle should always be to minister the gospel to the person, to people, so that they can know God for themselves. I repeat, there should be no such thing as a celebrity pastor. All, at, all attention should never be on the pastor or one prophet or anything. All the attention must be on Jesus. I've seen a lot of things in this, in, 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 especially in black communities, and I think in the West a little bit too, where, you know, the attention, you know, they drive attention to the man of the ministry, the set man of the ministry, the overseer of the ministry, the bishop of the ministry, and people you hear people start saying prayers like, the God of this, the God of this, the God of this, who can do this, do my own too. Now, when you pray, pray such prayers that the God of my father, the God of my bishop, the God of my this, it clearly tells that you, do, you have not seen God as your father. Now, I deal with people a lot. Most of the time, when, people, when I'm relating with people, they, they tend to defend themselves based on what they call their own motive. They will say things like, you don't see my heart, you don't see my heart. But I try to tell people that one of the ways you can tell what is in your heart is by judging your action. If you, are, if you say, you know what, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm not sexually immoral. If a guy says you're not sexually immoral. But you are flirting with women, you are touching them. So what should we call that? Because the thing is that someone's heart can actually be deceived. I've seen these, around, I've seen people come around me and after speaking to them, I mean people who are probably older in ministry, come around me and after speaking to them, I realize that my mind is kind of gravitating towards the ungodly things they, tell, they are telling me. I've seen people try to tell me to, you know, to force members of my church to certain meetings. These are ungodly. Now, God did not bring people to our local church to go and populate a program or populate on that church. It's not right. The people that God sent to me, they belong to Jesus. I'm a custodian. I'm responsible. I'm accountable for the people Jesus sent to me. 
I have no reason or right under the heaven to manipulate the people or use the people for my own uh, personal motive. Some things are spreading among pastors such that now if you have a massive congregation, so, so another pastor will come and meet you and say, you know what, um, I would like you to advertise my book to your congregation and you take 20% cut of how many books they buy. That is wickedness. That is evil. It is evil. Now, if a friend of mine writes a book and I think that book will bless my people, I will give it to my people, you know, not for business. And it's a business model in the church. All manner of nonsense that I see. So if you don't see me to have some, a lot of big people in, you know, around me in ministry, it's because I have, I have, I can see what's going on behind the scenes. And my boss in this assignment is Jesus, not anybody. I don't know why we're going this direction today. Jesus is my boss. Jesus sent you guys to me. So I'm not going to manipulate you, but if anybody feels like they want to go sit down with those guys, they want to have an edification with people with all due respect, who don't know what they are doing, you're free. But I choose to stand where I am because I'm accountable to Jesus, not to mankind. And I'm not, here, I'm not called to impress people. So it depends on which camp people want to belong to. Amen. Whether I saw, I don't know, well, I guess I was moved by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right, so Jesus ministered the gospel. The end goal of every miracle is to teach and to preach the gospel. It's not to draw attention to ourselves, to our church, to an organization, but such that the people can call God their father. Helping people to learn and to know how to have a deeper and more intimate relationship with God. Amen. That is the goal of pastoring, that the people may grow, may mature, may be stable in their daily work. They can be a good example or a model of Christ to their wives, to their husbands, to their work, to their co-workers. It's, it's raising people to be representatives of Christ everywhere they go and they can do the work of ministry. That's my job. And that should be the job of every pastor. Miracles may happen, manifestation of the gift of the Spirit may happen, but that is not our end goal. Now, the, the, now the, the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit is given to be a blessing to people. But that's not our end goal. Jesus said we should raise disciples, not a gang of miracle-seeking, illiterate people. Uh, I repeat it. Uh, that, that, that sounds nice. Not a gang of miracle-seeking, gullible people. Make, that, make it a little bit worse. You have a church of thousands of people, and what they're looking for is when somebody falls under the anointing and they start screaming. We have cheated and robbed people if that is what we have reached. Amen. I think we're in ministry class this morning. Right, so that stood out to me and I felt I should, uh, call, I should call it out to you guys that, you know, please, this should be in our mind for the rest of our lives. If it does not retain our mind for the rest of our lives, when we begin to see God walk through us, we may realize that we go off track. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I want to remind us, somebody may come to you and they may be very accurate in word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, God, you know, revealing God's plan and purpose for your life, word of knowledge, fact and the mind of God for your life, or working on miracles. I mean, it might be fantastic. I repeat, but that is not a judge of character. I, was, I once heard about the story of a girl whose pastor was sleeping with her. And um, after the pastor have sexually kind of like messed up with her, the pastor will be calling things out of her life. Accurate. And it just messed up the girl's mind. Like, how can God use such a man 
who is living a filthy and a dirty life. I repeat to you, don't forget, the Holy Spirit works with the sanctified, with our spirit that is holy to be a blessing to other people. So the fact that a person is manifesting the gift of the spirit does not mean that they have sound character. Don't forget, the soul of a person is different from their spirit. The spirit is true, is the spirit, which is the real person, is what the Holy Spirit works through, true, to bless you guys spiritually. But the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions are full of all kind of, can be full of all kind of garbage. So a person who is attending a local church or a Christian gathering where the guys operate so much in the gift of the spirit and thinking, you know what, this is okay because, because God is using them, using them, you're in the wrong place. And I have, I've seen, I've heard of a lot of Christian groups where the immorality in the place you think, ah, see, it's better you are even of the devil and just call yourself the satanic branch of kingdom of the devil of king of the kingdom of darkness than what you call yourself as a Christian fellowship. All manner of all manner of dirty things. But trust me, I see all manner of manifestation. I mean, it's a prophecy. I, I'm, I'm talking about one or two people that I know that be close to me, attend such groups and Say, God uses us here. God prophesies. You know, somebody prophesied about this five years ago and we saw it. But there's immorality among you people. You need a pastor. Or your pastor needs to fix himself. Amen. So the end goal of... Um, so I was talking... Okay, we talked about that one. What I was trying to wrap up here is... Uh, someone may manifest a gift of the Spirit, but that doesn't mean they have some character. I would rather someone who has sound character, right, who I know will not hurt my people, than someone who can walk in any gift of the Spirit. Amen. So let character and knowledge of the Word of God be our focus. The Holy Ghost is here. God is walking here. Miracles happen here. Don't allow that to intrigue you. Amen. Because... because Ignorance in the area of the gift of the Spirit is what has led a lot of people to manipulation and abuse. I just, I've not started teaching my own message this morning. I'm, all, I'm calling a word of knowledge from my spirit. Let's be very careful about people who come around us. When somebody manifests the gift of the Spirit around you, say word of knowledge or, mir- any, or gift of healings, right? Thank God for their life. Appreciate the person making themselves available to be used. But don't make them your mentor or spiritual father. Don't. So the fact that God uses a man of God, a woman of God, frequenting your life, don't make them your spiritual father or mother. Don't do that. Assess them that they have sound character and godliness. Ensure that, now Jesus, okay, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my example. He told Timothy to, talk, to, talk, to tell a particular church that, you know, remind them of how I've conducted myself among them. He didn't say remind them of the miracles I've done. Conduct is key in the body of Christ. Conduct is important in the church. Character, not conduct. Conduct, people can say conduct themselves and look like they're only but character. No. Character, sound character is, I'll say it's ultimate goal in a very much sense. Godly character. And every one of us must commit ourselves to working on ourselves to, on how we relate with people. 
at some point, you know, I'm, you guys know my nickname, Captain Tunde. At some point, I'm going to drill all of you guys and force you guys. I use the word force. Force you guys to learn. I'm going to teach you anyway, which means, damn, if you don't show up, you just see me in Manchester. I'll say, damn, go back to me, uh, meeting Kings. I'm going to force you guys to learn human relationship. How to connect with people. How to manage people. Sensitivity to choice of words. Amen. You just don't open your mouth and just talk anyhow. Can you say how the, why the job of a pastor is very is quite challenging? Teach you when when you get on your husband say hey. You say yes, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I also think we should look at it from this angle, as opposed to ah, what are you telling me? That's your own point. This is where I stand. You can't tell me anything. No, that's not the example of Christ. I heard you. Hmm, fantastic idea. Some people, before your husband even learned his idea, you have taken off. You have not even heard what he wants to say. Is pastor you not making sense to you? Or what church is? Develop, equip, build the people so that they can do the work of ministry. They can represent Christ well. That's why our strategy permitting to borrow the word strategy for this church is reach, raise, represent. Reaching out to people, that is my mission currently at the moment. Raise people, we're doing that on the side, teaching you guys sound doctrine. That's why today, because I'm a repentant man, I did not force you guys to listen to what I want to teach, allow the Holy Ghost to speak. I don't know what you guys have been doing during the week. Okay, you guys come and give me feedback later on. Right? You know, ensuring that my focus is ensuring that the God's word is communicated to you so that you can grow. Right? And represent so that you guys can go out and be a representation, representative of Christ. And those three pillars have been so, have been so helpful to get, not get rid, I don't like that word, doesn't sound nice, to just to get some people to excuse themselves from our midst when we first started because they realized that this, they don't belong here. I didn't send them away, but they couldn't get what they're looking for. Some people came here to look for husband. Thank God I have more women than I have men. Some people are still trying to send their daughter to this church so that they are, she can come and get a husband. You'll be so surprised. But what I would do, I would teach you the word of God. I would teach you conduct. So I would teach you how to, be, how to listen to the Holy Ghost so that you can position yourself where God wants you to be, doing his will and his purpose, and you can meet the man that he has sent to your life. Because it's not, in, it's not by... God did not design that people find their spouse in a, local, in a particular local assembly. So I'm saying to you, if you attend a particular church because you're expecting to find your man there, you are, you'll be disappointed. Amen. I pray for that. I pray. I pray that you'll be disappointed. Amen. 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 I pray you'll be disappointed so that you don't go to church to seek husband. You go to church to learn, to serve the Father, to work with the Father. If you are taught how to be led by the Holy Ghost and you know how to be led by the Holy Ghost, Right? And you know how to manage yourself when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And you know, understand that the fact that somebody manifests the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean they are sound in character. Right? So when you find yourself in places where somebody is manifesting and they, don't, and they lack character, you can say, you know, I love, this is a nice guy, he's a very good guy, he's a brother, brother in Christ, but that's not the right guy for me. And you can know where to go, where to go and serve. When the Lord says, no, I want you to send you to this particular person to work in this particular, or to this particular company to work here for six months or something, you go there, not because you are looking for a man, but you find out that you find your guy there. I say, I say a lot to women, uh, to, young, uh, to single ladies, 
I said, you know, if I can teach you how to hear the Holy Ghost, right? You, if the timing is right for you to be married, right, you will be led. You will find yourself, you will be found. Amen. Praise the Lord. Got nine minutes to go, right? So let, what points can I give to you guys? If more come, I'll pour it out. But I want to ensure that I, I don't go back home and like, ah, and be struggling because there's stuff in my spirit, but I didn't call them out. Amen. So last week we say that miracles, there are different forces in the heavenlies that can do that. What the Holy Spirit, I feel the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize on. I did that. Praise the Lord. I'm free. Uh, another thing I want to call out is this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. Verse 1. So this is Nick in James. I'm going to read all the way. And then we shut down there. Next week, we, we trust God to help us finish this mini point. I read, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it, why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Look at that. They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Be, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? If you've been following this story, the story of these guys from Exodus 14, Red Sea, Exodus 15, meet uh, a water that was bitter, you know, the Lord made it fit to, for, for drinking. Uh, chapter 16, bread in the day, uh, roast at night. So, it's, it's, very, it's kind of disturbing. And one of the reasons why I think I'm led to call these things out is because of this particular attitude is, pre, is prevalent in many Christian circles. Even when I'm... There are many Christians I avoid because by the time I speak to them for the first five, six minutes, I just know I can't make any progress in having an intelligent Bible conversation with them. The first thing they tell you, my bishop said, my prophet said, our daddy said, our papa said, where is the one that God says? Where is what God says to you? Like I was saying earlier on, when people say, the God of my bishop, the God of my this, they do no, no, they've not seen God as their father. Because you will not be looking at somebody else's test or experience and be expecting that God will by mercy 
do this for you or by chance do this for you because he did it. There's so many wrong teaching that has just complicated things in people's life and, and people are open to manipulation. So point I'm trying to call out here is this. When people live from miracle to miracle, they cannot form an intimate relationship with God. No, they can't. Because when they see a miracle, when we see miracles happen through a particular person much more than anybody else, and they think, you know what, it's only that person who does a miracle or can do the miracles in a sense, they begin to see God through that person. So that person then make themselves another mediator, another Jesus between man and God, which is evil. In the instance of these guys, despite the miracles they've seen, they came, you know, they ran into a kind of obstacle, another problem, and they, they were nearly stoning Moses to death. So they lost sight of everything, which means God is so merciful. These guys, even, they can't even see what God is doing th- for them. The rescue. Is kindness. What they are looking for, what they are looking at is what is, is what, you know, their own appetite, what they want. Comfort for me. And I'm not, I'm not raising that kind of church where people come to church is about me. Because hence, this, this is one of those things that, this is one of those things that cause a church split when you start having factions. You know, I think uh, people have been with me for a number of years now, they can know that I will not, I, will not, I don't tolerate things like, me, I like this one, no. What? You, you like this one. No. Where is the word we? We are here to be a benefit to one another, not for you or for me. I don't do my thing in TTC. Transformers Church, in case you are wondering what that is. I don't do my thing. I do Jesus' thing, and I do what benefits us. The reason why we had to do it, move a lot of stuff around today was because I was thinking of how will the guys online have a better experience? And I spend about half a day during the week shopping, buying cables, and you can see more cables on the floor lying around, stuff like that. I don't do my meeting. If it's for me, I'll do the most convenient. That is plugged, right? They can see, they can hear. Praise the Lord. Let's go. I do the we thing. So if people live from miracles to miracles, they will be self-centered, selfish, because about what they can get, like Jesus. Was, caught, uh, was telling of those guys that they were, they, they were sickening not because of the signs they did, but, but because of the bread they ate. Friends, Christianity is not for you. It's for the body of Christ. We are called body of Christ for many reasons. Because if you read the book of 1 Corinthians 12 that we're talking about, the Bible tells us that, you know what, the gift that God has given to us is to bless one another, is to build the body. So when a Christian goes to church and they say, I don't like how they did this, you are out of line. Because you're thinking about yourself. I'm not talking about places of abuse and things like that, but because of the carpets, you prefer the green, the butter red. And you are making a force out of it. You're out of line. Because you've lost the focus on the reason why we gather. Amen. Or, you know, Christmas party or something, or a party or something. Or, okay, well, Christmas party is coming off recently. I think that's why I'm using that example. And we're going to run this, we are running this as a project. And somebody said, you know, I, I would have loved us to have roast. You know, but they, they went for turkey. But who eats turkey? You're out of line. So even, even if you are thinking that thought or that thought comes to you, you kill it. Because we don't do me. It's about we. It's about us. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer.